0: A day and I'll go to school tomorrow. First impressions are incredibly important. Honey, you can make a wonderful
1: first impression. Brenda, how could you? He was a jerk. Okay. I've made my choice, and I choose me. <laughs>
2: hills now to 210 fans welcome into 9021 no so a beverly hills now to 210 podcast retrospective series i am jt and joining me as always is my partner in this journey mr tim tim how are you
3: jt do you ever feel like you just wish that you could meet like a wealthy well-connected beach club magnate who maybe takes a liking to you takes you under his wing and wants you to drive him around and perhaps drive his mistress around. And once you simply to not ask too many questions and compensates you well, and also sort of treats you as a surrogate son, but that's neither here nor there because you're not getting any younger. I'm just saying this whole work thing is for the birds, man.
2: That sounds delightful. And I wouldn't ask any questions. Okay. I would just that's... say whatever you want, sir. I'll drive your yeah. ass around.
3: Sounds good to me. That's Maybe about We should start a
2: service, Tim. Maybe we should open up a company.
3: <sighs> yeah, yeah. Just gotta find a killer name for it. Mm. Anyway, um, we've got a very fun guest here tonight. Um, someone who I've described as a real, a true student of the game, yes, because you're... he he did not care one way or another about this show until we, I think, began talking about it obsessively in his presence uh he kind of kind of got curious you know and, and caught the caught the itch and he dutifully went about watching binge watching every single episode of this series so i'd like mm-hmm. to think of this guest as one of our many converts our a very successful convert at that uh so why don't you bring him in who do we have along with us
2: well, uh, I believe it's his second appearance, I was just scanning quickly, on the show. Feels like he's been on more than that, honestly. I well, know, I right? Because he's so sort of dialed in and comments to us all the time about them. But yeah. there's our good friend, Mr. James Grunberg. Jimmy, how are you?
0: I'm doing well, gentlemen. And I'll say this, you know, what a difference a season makes. Mm. You know, because the last time you guys had me on, we were in those after school special uh, episodes you know where it was like yeah. oh did you learn your lesson son did you try hard and uh, don't judge a book by its cover but it's a new season and we are growing up with these characters here as well yeah but coincidentally enough <laughs> you landed on
3: a
2: what could be considered another after school special uh type <laughs> episode i believe we'll talk sort about it
3: yeah yeah, it is That's... like the show feels more like the show now. But, yeah, we right. do get that very heavy turn late in the episode. Yes.
2: Yes. And we'll get into all that. Uh, James, you've been with us before, so I don't think we need to dive into your history of the show. Tim kind of synopsized it anyway there uh, as we came in. But we are going to talk about episode thirty five of the show. That is season two, episode thirteen. Halloween. Aired on Halloween night, 1991, October 31st. It had a pretty good rating of 16.6, considering it was Halloween night. Hmm. Okay. Um, it's, it's a bounce back from our last three, really. It's our highest since the uh, Backdoor Ashes to Ashes pilot. Pretty much on par with the Necessity as a Mother uh, from a few weeks ago. But the last two were, were a dip. And we talked about this last week, Tim, uh, how the uh, episode really kind of cratered. The uh, last two really kind of kind of saw a big dip. And I believe it was the leading from the heart that our buddy Rocco Martone reached out to me. Okay. And he said he was listening to the latest episode, which would actually be two ago. not a and also with Charlie. And he mentioned how the ratings dipped after the big episode. It made me think about how many variables could cause that to happen back then. Like one big news story, election coverage, storms, etc., cetera, could affect mm-hmm. ratings severely. So out of curiosity, I looked up the news for that date and was shocked by the coincidence. It was the day that a dude named Joseph Harris went postal, literally, fatally shot two former co-workers at the Ridgewood, New Jersey, post office. Mm. Uh, Rocco goes on to say it was a really big story in that area. There was a big standoff and it was all over the news that day. And he wonders if even just in that area alone of his could that have affected ratings. And it made me think like, yeah, it's probably true more especially then than ever. Right? Because back then, your options were so limited. This stuff was on network TV, and they were going to switch over to any big stories, or you might mm. be you know, pivoted over to the news for something local. Yeah. Whereas now, yep. in the world of DVR, in the world of smartphone, where you can be watching a show and, and following big stories on your phone, you're probably less likely to have like a major impact on something, unless it's like, a really big story.
3: It's got to um, be a huge national event for them to do a cut-in nowadays, yeah.
2: But like even now, I feel like even on election night,
3: if someone like right. if the
2: last yeah. or whatever, like finale was on up against the election, like mm-hmm. I still feel like it would mm-hmm. do well. You know, what I, mean? like, I feel like yeah. I feel like nowadays people, well, they want their shows, they want their shows. Uh, but I, I thought it was a very interesting point. I appreciated Rocco bringing it up. Um, but Tim, any any further thoughts on something like that and how it could affect uh, shows like this at this time?
3: Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. It's something you don't think about anymore. You, I mean, things like that, even if it was just a more of a, a local event and they, it didn't ne- didn't necessarily mean that nationally, like your your uh, various broadcast affiliates were having their, their regular programming interrupted to talk about this. If that just happened in a few major markets, right? Um, where did this shooting take place again? Remind me. Did it? Uh, New did Jersey. It, yeah. New Jersey. Okay. So that's it's actually, it was, like pretty, was like rock
2: like town basically.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, that area in the Northeast, um, mm-hmm. that you've got to figure it'd be a pretty major television market back then, certainly today. Yeah. Yeah. Enough that a, a cut in like that could have, impacted ratings for you know television across the board really um so you just figure if, if you if you had happened to have been the one show that drew that unlucky straw and and um you know you get your i don't know who it would have what who would have been necessarily who was doing the nightly news back then um tom brokaw i guess <laughs> but uh right. or on you know your fox affiliate who knows what they um cut away to or you know Uh, But, I mean, yeah, that story, that was the origin of the the expression going postal, right? Which, Mm -hmm. you know, that, yeah, pretty big deal. I don't know that people necessarily remember the incident as well as they just know that term if you're of a certain generation. But, uh, yeah, figure as well. I mean, this is October, right? So that's a, a... you know that's a month where you figure a lot of shows are starting most shows are probably starting in starting their new fall seasons in september you might get some spillover right. into october the the competition is increasing in other words right it's just whatever premiered in september it's it's only multiplied since then you know it, it's not like that's gonna by november you're in sweeps and it's like everything that's out there is pretty much established right and um but but you could still have premieres happen as late as October, I feel like. Um so it it looks just, like, yeah, there's a lot that could have could have impacted the ratings here.
2: And it looks like Ridgewood um, is a stone's throw from New York City. So yeah. Oh, there it you go. That market took a hit. So I mean, who knows? Who knows if that caused it? I think Rocco's overarching point is a good one though. It's like any little thing can really
3: create yeah. gap
2: in waiting yeah. at a time like this. But we'll see because our next one, our next three actually get monster ratings. Uh, and I'm curious because we know the next one's a pretty, pretty important episode. Um, how much the hype was? So if anyone remembers watching live at the time or just the general presentation, and our guests next week may, uh, I'm curious like mm-hmm. how big they teased.
3: I remember about. seeing for that it, to jump well, up
2: so dramatically.
3: I won't say I remember, but I saw actually recently someone on Reddit, uh, posted an old promo, uh, from Fox, um, hyping up that episode, um, just from YouTube. Right. So it's very poor quality, but it's out there and it's, <laughs> I can't imagine how many of these they would have run. Cause you, know, right. you always got different versions again, depending on what market you're in, you would get different versions of a, mm-hmm. um, just a promo piece for that week's show, and they did it for pretty much every episode, which is hard to believe, right? That's something you don't really think of as as being a thing anymore. But man, yeah, they they put those uh those uh stations and production companies to work back mm-hmm. then. <clears throat> for sure. All right, why
2: don't we go ahead and dive in then to our Halloween episode? It's awesome that it aired on Halloween night. And mm-hmm. had a full like Halloween theme and vibe. You know, Tim, I think <clears throat> you and I are both fans of like these holiday themed episodes of television, especially you know, when else seems to lean in a lot on these types of things. So this this had a cool, yeah. definitely cool vibe and feel
3: throughout. So. Yeah. And they go all in. I mean, this is their first real Holiday up. I mean, it's it's no President's Day at, in Palm Springs. I'll grant you, but it's it's the beginning of like what's going to be a trend for. They're always going to do Halloween ups. They're always going to do Thanksgiving and Christmas, and it makes sense with the larger episode order that they have now. So this is kind of the beginning of a, a trend here, which is um, yeah, it makes me very happy to see.
2: All right, we start some creepy music, uh, basically just Halloween-type music. We close up on a jack-o'-lantern, and then we head inside the Beverly West Beverly Blaze, where Andrea and Brandon are carving and painting pumpkins. They head to the radio booth. Scott shows up to chat with David. David makes a gun joke, basically he says, I'm surprised not out, exploding pumpkins. Uh, and Scott says, well, I get detention. David reveals he's been paid to DJ. At, well, at first I thought it was a DJ, but it sounds like it was just to provide music, I guess, for a Halloween party. Guess yeah. I guess just cut some mixtapes together. Um, he says there'll be a lot of girls dancing to his tapes, and Scott's gonna be uh, at some spot ho- hoping for an egg fight. They don't. I could. I was having a hard time following where this was. I guess it's some infamous neighborhood neighborhood where they all hang out on Halloween night, and mm-hmm. there's a big egg fight that happens. Uh, David says there'll be a lot of cops around. And Scott says, I don't care. My, my middle name's Danger, basically. Uh, he's down. Also, Scott's a, you know, a danger hunter. He's out for danger. David's like, yeah, of course you are. So they're still kind of butting heads. But you could tell it's a that big scenario where longtime friends are kind of growing past each other. We've been talking about this quite a bit with their relationship and struggling to be on the same page. But Scott's looking to, you know, it's consistently been his theme, right? He's kind of having a hard time growing up past the stuff they did. In the old days, but on the flip side, he's also using that frustration maybe to explore being a little more dangerous. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. David's really focused on girls and, and music production at this point. So we'll see where that goes uh, momentarily. Emily Valentine is back with us. She catches up with Brandon, says he's not going to the big party. Emily says she wasn't invited. Brandon says he doesn't drink and he dances like a white guy. So why would he go? But you know what? If Emily wants to go, He'll go. And Emily says, no. I mean, you build it up like that. Why would I want to go? So (laughs) it's hard to tell here. Like, I feel like it's really been unclear if they're together or not this whole time. I mean, Brandon kind of said, like, it didn't really work out after they kissed, but they didn't, like, directly say it. Um, So, Grinny, were you, A, what are your thoughts on the the Davis-Goss stuff? And, B, were you a little bit confused on Emily and Brandon's relationship? I mean, we've barely seen Emily for the last handful of episodes. What do you think about where we're at with that?
0: Uh, yeah, well, going back to what you said about David and Scott, it always seems like, you know, David just wants to, um, uh, be with the cool kids and he doesn't think that Scott is cool anymore. Meanwhile, Scott is trying to, uh, you know, bring David back to like, you know, being his friend and, uh, you know, like, Hey man, let's go do this. You know, while Scott is like, just trying to be like the. Little immature, you know, David is still trying to like get mature about everything and uh, grow up a little bit too. So it's like he's trying to tell Scott like you need to grow up and move on, but Scott's like, nah, man, like this is still cool to us. Like, I don't know what's wrong with you, but I still think this stuff is cool. And um, I think it was like the market corner or something. It was like like the like the corners basically that was like the Halloween like uh place. Right, right was going i was like something real estate corner or something like that um to answer your second question yeah like emily and um emily and brandon's uh, relationship is a little off here um i didn't even know they kissed the first time you know i kind of thought they kissed uh this was their uh first kiss like or like what I was going to transpire in this episode i didn't know if they had actually had uh, kissed before so uh, my apologies on that one but then it's like you don't see her again for a couple more episodes. You're like, well, what's going on here? Yeah, they had that one
2: kiss at the mm. end of the one where she, I think it was her debut, where she was dating mm-hmm. Dylan and Brandon. They they make out in the car at the end. Um, but since then, they haven't really been together much
3: at all. No, she's barely been in it. Um I mean, literally, there was depending on uh, what aspect ratio your television is, she may not have even been in the <laughs> right. in the scene and the show. Um, she's like just a bystander in our, the last episode we watched. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, after making a big debut, she sort of is off on the sidelines. I wonder if they were just like hedging their bets on the character. like they they sort of go all in with her introduction, and they're thinking, well, you know these ratings are pretty shaky, like we're, it's not like we're going to get canceled, but, but we don't want to, um, necessarily commit to this if, uh, if people are, aren't really feeling it. So it takes a little while to figure that out. Um, so you got to figure, I mean, how many episodes ahead are they? I got to figure this had been at least filmed by the time of her, debut as many episodes back as that was but i mean they did run pretty tight production schedules back right. then. it just it just seems like maybe they're reserving the option to just axe this character if she really didn't take off well, she debuted you know, a um, wildfire right yeah uh-huh.
2: okay, so that was episode eight so eight. nine like, was the backdoor 13. pilot so we knew that was mm-hmm. different it's like whatever mm. leading from the heart that was the one with the the guy in the wheelchair so we kind of know like You know, that's it was like its own contained. What was Necessity's own thing?
3: Oh, that was Necessity as a mother is with Dylan and Iris, his mom and the trust fund and everything. Um, So it's a pretty Dylan centric episode.
2: And then the last one was Andrea. So I guess it makes sense like that. They just felt like they wanted to get her in the world. And then Mm -hmm. they had all these other one offs and then maybe they were saving her for November sweeps. Because that's could be these yeah. next four episodes are like right in that. Yeah. Into, uh, into November time period. So mm-hmm. it's
0: possible. I think, and it's if, yeah. I think it's a good episode to bring her back. Mm-hmm. You know, like if they were. Yeah. Like, you know, like if they were hesitant, it's like, well, well, often wait a little bit. And it's like here, you know, like, oh, it's a Halloween episode. Like, let's let's bring her like into the fold basically here.
3: Yeah, I, I do like the way this reintroduction is handled. I I think that her sort of what are they exactly with with respect to her relationship with Brandon? It feels very true to high school, where sometimes it's you maybe hit it off with someone, but you're not officially dating. But it's right. kind of like you are. And neither one of you really are interested in other people, but you don't necessarily want to define it. You know, it's just one of those very. Yeah. Let's keep it casually, but really, we're boyfriend girlfriend in high school type.
2: Thing. I think it's just more, you just, in your mind, you imagine her being around for this stretch of episodes. So it's just kind of, it yeah, but big stuff happens. So it's just kind of oddly glaring that she debuts and then pretty much vanishes
3: for, what, one, two, three,
2: four episodes. And then now she's back.
3: Hard. Well, it's funny you say that, because in my mind, I mean, it's a, this is also kind of a welcome back to the show, Scott Scanlon. Um, yep, yep. When's the last time we saw him? I guess after the the end of that summer run where he comes back right. and is super preoccupied with guns. I mean, that's really been it for him. I, the first time around watching these episodes way back when, I came away with the impression that this sort of drifting apart between... David and Scott was much more extensive. Like that, and that Scott was just more of a presence here in this second season. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, he's not going to be for <laughs> very much longer at all. Um, just saying. Uh, and honestly, he's really just had, up until this point, that one other episode. And here it's... You get the you get the sense in that opening scene between the, well, the again, reintroduction introductory scene to Scott between he and David, that they've pretty much grown apart and they haven't been seeing very much of each other and are just reasonably content living their separate lives. Like they're not on bad terms, but you know, they've just drifted apart as some friendships do. And like, I don't know, I kind of remember it as more as, like James, you were saying, David became more popular and and was more of a social climber and kind of shit on Scott, who was this big loser and didn't have any friends. I don't necessarily get that impression here. Like, Scott may not have many friends outside of David, but it doesn't seem like he's this miserable sad sack. It just kind of seems like he's off in his own world. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm having a kind of mental re re-evaluation of this, this friendship between the two of them.
2: Yeah. I think, <clears throat> I think this one's more believable to me for him to kind of like ghost, you know what I mean? mm mm-hmm. yeah, Like, like you're saying, because, because of the setup where they've just drifted and he's not really friends with anyone else. So why would he really be around? Um, so like, to me that at least makes more sense than this Emily thing where she seemed hot and heavy with Brandon and then suddenly just vanishes. But again, to your point, I mean, whatever. They just weren't official and she's not in the crew, right? She wasn't... I mean, they do kind of leave that initial episode that she is kind of friends now with, with the girls, but I guess right. not enough. Alright, not <laughs> enough. Uh, Brendan and Donna are working on pumpkins. They're talking about the party costumes. Brenda says, Brandon always dresses like Dracula to scare trick or treaters and it's basically presents it as lame. Uh, in comes Kelly. This got very confusing here. She says their ride, they were supposed to go to this, a bash in Malibu, and their ride ditched them, ditched the girls. So, and mm. then, though, she's, like, saying she just got dumped. So, when did, yeah, what? <laughs> this is very, I, and I know we're supposed to just assume things happen. So, okay, Kelly's, I guess, dating some guy in between episodes or something. But um, right. whoever this guy was that she was dating, apparently, is going to drive them to Malibu. So, she got dumped. That falls through. Um, so they start talking about couples costumes. Kelly says, we all know Brendan and Dylan have the best relationship at West Beverly. Brenda kind of downplays that Dylan and Steve come in and then we say, we're all going shopping at Hollywood costume. Uh, we head over to Hollywood costume, which apparently is a costume shop that's focused on movie based costumes, whether they're, they're, it's a legitimate uh, where, you know, costumes worn in movies or just knockoffs. Um, Brenda wants to find a Lucy and Ricky costume. She thought, uh, you know, she finds them. Wanted to want well, I guess she pre ordered them because the guy says I had these on hold. Um mm-hmm. and then she goes, Oh, are these the ones they really wore? And the guy says no. So she kinda loses interest when they're not really worn. Uh Kelly says they want to look at other options since they don't have any Ricky and Desi types anymore. So again, I guess the guy she was gonna go with was gonna be Ricky and Desi with Dylan. I don't it's this isn't
3: yeah, clear. Well, it feels like we we missed something. It uh, does. It, the whole setup is it just feels contrived and mm-hmm. Like it needed another pass or something like that. I don't know if they they wrote this and were like, okay, we'll we'll fix it. We've got time. We'll fix it. And they they just ran out of time. We'll just keep it simple. Just say they're all going to the party. We're all <laughs> like, going why, to the why party. Why do we need yeah. a setup? And maybe maybe Dylan is throwing a fit over you know having to wear a costume or not wanting to wear a costume. But so what? You dragged his ass there. He's going to wear a costume. Like it's fine.
2: Right. Or that. <laughs> I don't I know mean, why they. I guess, they to set up, I guess they're trying to set up Kelly's attitude, but that could have been anyway. Like She'd be frustrated mm. by this point anyway. It doesn't like she had to be dumped again, but it seems like they felt like they needed to have her maybe be even more frustrated with relationships to, to do what she does tonight, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Steve finds a Zorro costume. Dylan's adamant. He doesn't want to dress up. Donna and Kelly are trying to find something. Uh, they find a sexy outfit. They both kind of say, you should wear it, you should wear it. Kelly decides to try it on. Brenda finds Dylan a Robin Hood costume, but they trash that when he says, you know, what do you think I'll look like in tights? Kelly shows up in this sexy dancer costume. Brenda says it's a little bit too much. Kelly says she wants to make a splash uh, because she's in. It's a good night to dress up and be crazy. And that's what she wants to do after her tough day. And, you know, but then she kind of admits like, all right, maybe this isn't the one I'll keep looking. Donna finds a costume. She says, it's going to be a surprise. Dylan finds a Bonnie and Clyde costume and now he's all in. He's like hardcore <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, so that's going to be him and Brenda. It's a pretty iconic outfit. We'll see it. Uh, but Tim, what did you think of beyond? We just talked about some of the costume stuff and all this confusion. Any other comments on the Kelly confusion?
3: I mean, it does give us a fun scene anyway at this ho- this Hollywood Halloween costume shop. Um, I, I sort of share in, uh, I think it was Brenda's reservations over rental Halloween costumes. She's like, "I'm not gonna wear something that <laughs> Lucy Old Ball like sweated it." Like, they're like, "No, no, it's they're not authentic. They're just you know." And then the guy goes on to say, "He's not even trying to blow smoke up their asses and say that, oh yeah, these are these are real uh, costumes. It's real wardrobes worn by that you know the stars." He's like, "No, it's a it's a Lucy type costume." <laughs> He's very clear on that. So well, and also,
2: why are they it's, shopping on Halloween afternoon?
3: Yeah, this is a little late in the ga- late in the day, right? And and also carving pumpkins at that. I mean, the, I don't know. This is just one of those tropes of a lot of the sh- like a lot of Christmas shows where it's like clearly the episode takes place on Christmas Eve, right? And there'll be a whole adventure about trying to get a tree, right? right it's like right. no one <laughs> no one waits so wait long. Till, yeah. <laughs> Literally no one has ever done that on Christmas Eve. <laughs> um, but it's just one of these things that I guess has, we have to accept happens in these uh, right television universes. Everything is just last minute, but um, it's a fun scene. Uh, the, the sound design in this scene and kind of in the episode as a whole is crazy. There's also, uh, so th- there's a lot going on here, but we get like a, when Brenda is presenting Dylan with the the Robin Hood costume and you know, he's kinda like, Oh, you wanna see me in tights, which we've seen him in a wetsuit, so <clears> I <throat> yes. mean, yeah, just get ooged out by that mental image. But there's like a there's like an arrow shooting sound effects in the background. Um there's also like kind of some spaghetti western stuff going on when someone brings up, oh, we could you know, do a whole, uh, cowboy thing. And then that turns into the Bonnie and Clyde thing. And it's just like, there's a lot of weird sound effects in mm-hmm. the background. Um, it's, it's sort of cute, but at the same time, it's like, what is happening here? <laughs> but, um, I don't know. I enjoyed this, this little excursion. It's, uh, it gives us some levity again, in what is going to become kind of a heavy episode. Uh, James, what'd you make of all this?
0: um well yeah i was very confused of the uh kelly uh relationship thing it felt like
3: okay, this is like yeah.
0: let's write it out write it out and uh we don't have time okay throw it out and we'll just go from there yeah. kelly should have. kelly could have just really have been like oh you know i just want to like make an impression on like guys you know like because i'm having like i'm having like no luck with the guys here you know like so
3: she has struck out a few times this season which all they needed to do was remind us of that right yeah yeah
0: and then um the costume scene is pretty funny like you know Dylan Dylan like steals it a little bit he's like oh Brenda do you really want to see me in tights and she's like uh no you know like let's not go with this Robin Hood costume and then Dylan's all like oh man Bonnie and Clyde that's a word going as yep all
2: right well I like the Bonnie and Clyde thing. We'll see how it plays out. <laughs> I like that Dylan got into it. Yeah. Um, and I like that. I'm, I'm a bit of a mar for like costume
3: shopping scenes. I don't like. I, I like this. I like the I vibe of too. that place. And it was yeah. Kind of, I, yeah. I really like this yeah. early 90s Halloween stuff. Shopping scenes are always
0: like fun. They're like, no, uh, I don't like this on you. It's like, oh, yeah, it's a great one. And, uh, you know, it's uh, Kelly says, oh, I just want to make a splash. Well. Donna's costume might make a splash or it might not in Outbreak. Know?
2: Uh, all right. We go to the Walsh house. Cindy's prepping a bucket of raisins. Brandon thinks the kids are going to be disappointed. Jim gets just the most dad he may ever say. Uh, raisins are nature's candy. Uh, Brandon preps his cape. He answers the door. But it's Dylan in full costume. He's into character, too. He uh, ain't a fan of raisins. Brenda comes down, and we get a whole last cosplay of her and uh, Dylan as Barney, Bonnie, Barney, Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> uh, Cindy wants a picture, so we get that. Uh, what one thing I like with the doing right now with the show and in the season, they do a nice job of throttling these characters down a little bit and passing the time, like around the heavy stuff. So like Jim and Cindy mm-hmm. are just kind of doing mom and dad stuff. They're easygoing. They seem happy with Brenda and Dylan, and we know shit's gonna hit the fan soon, right? So it's like and we just talked about Scott and others, they do do a nice job of kind of giving characters breaks where it's not always like, we're eventually going to get to a period in the show where it's just full soap every all the time for everyone. Yeah. But right now they do a nice job of giving characters. Like we had a lot of drama with Brenda, but right now she's really dialed down quite a bit. Like it's just her and Dylan are happy. Jim and Cindy are happy. Like, you know, so we're, we're getting like oscillating of where everyone is in their, their lives. So I think they're doing a nice job with that.
3: Agreed. It's, um, it's like just another day in the life or for this couple, as far as Brenda and, and Dylan are, cons- you know, it, yeah, it is a special occasion, but there is no drama surrounding them whatsoever as a couple. And, um, you know, same with Jim and Cindy. They're just having a nice night of Halloween, mm-hmm. with decorating and handing out candy or snacks as it, as it were. But um, yeah, I, I do kind of like the, the slower pace here where it's, not everything has to constantly be dialed up to 11 and just incredibly soapy like you said it can yeah. we can focus we can have a, a dramatic turn and have that be focused on a particular character but it doesn't have to involve everybody having their own like individual and couples drama nonstop mm-hmm. so yeah i i'm with you there This is, this is, this goes back to what I said before about how the show feels like the show now. Like, this is what this show is to me. It's, it's the gang just doing kind of everyday stuff. and, And it's really fun to watch them and to sort of put yourself in their shoes and, you know, be along for the ride.
2: All right, we head to the costume party. Everyone's having fun. As Dylan and Brenda arrive, they meet up with Steve. He's looking for Kelly. But Brenda said she had a last-minute change to her surprise costume. We see Donna show up. She's in a mermaid costume. She can't walk because the legs are basically mermaid legs. So um, not the first time she's put herself in this position at a party. Of course, we know back at the uh, big dance, um, she was Spring in the, the, yeah, yeah crazy dress where she couldn't move. Uh, Kelly shows up. And we get all stares and catcalls and they are warranted because she is begging in the sexy witch costume. Uh, Everything's Mm. hanging out. She is on display. The gang immediately is not uh, having it. They're not happy. Steve kind of gives a look of disgust. Brenda, who we already know was against us earlier, immediately pulls her aside and grills her. She says, you want guys staring at you? And Kelly says, all she wants to do is meet a guy. And Brenda tells her straight up, you're looking for trouble showing up like this and kelly says i was just jumped i want to have fun i can handle myself we go over to casa walsh cindy and brandon are handing out the raisins cindy doesn't know who the ninja turtles are when the costumes show up Uh, we go back to the party kelly's flirting steve kind of gives her some shit about her choice he says you're not leaving anything up to the imagination and she says steve with me and you it's all about imagination uh Mm. which is funny david says she looks great and asks her to dance she says maybe later uh, David goes to another girl. He tries to flirt and he talks up his music, but he gets nowhere. He mentions "Hot Monkey Love," which I don't know what that means. If that's a song <laughs> I reference, it's the or 90s. Yeah. I guess. And she's like, "Nah." Uh, then we cut over to Donna. She's still struggling miserably in the corner with a dress. We head outside. David and Steve are catching up. They're both kind of done with this lame Halloween party. Uh, they reminisce about the egg fights in junior high. Steve gets a little wispy for the old days. We then cut over to the egg fight where Scott's prepping his eggs. Uh, No egg fight is happening, but he's behind some bushes. And David's walking by because he's walking home. Uh, Scott tells him, hey, why don't you hang out? Uh, The egg fight's going to start. We Lockhart and Carlson. But David (laughs) says, sorry, buddy. Lockhart and Carlson are at the party. I don't think they're coming. Uh, Then David and Scott start to joke about the old times. Um, Tim, I am all out of sorts on the timeline of this episode. Like time (laughs) of day, location of everything. I guess the house party's not too far from everything else that David's walking to uh-huh. the party and back home. Yeah. I don't know what time it is. Like David got turned down by one girl and he's already bailing. Like he was all excited about his tapes. Um, Scott hasn't started the egg fight yet, but it's not lit. So like, I know Halloween starts earlier usually. So, but what time did this party start? Was It like six o'clock. Like everything just feels weird mm-hmm. timeline wise. Um, so what'd you think of that and Kelly's dress reveal?
3: Well, um, I guess I'll start with Kelly here, who, uh, yeah, she, I mean, look, she's a beautiful woman. She looks fantastic here. Um, We get some scenes and some dialogue that haven't aged very gracefully, you know, with Brenda kind of pulling her aside, chastising her and kind of slut-shaming a little bit. But I don't know. It's also walking that, that very fine line where, Brenda's and she's well-meaning, right? And what she's trying to say to Kelly, because Kelly's very upfront about the fact that, yeah, I am trying to bag a guy at this party. I want all eyes on me. Like, she's not just incidentally wearing this and it happens to be a sexy whatever, right? Like, this is back in the days before (laughs) you just went to Spirit Halloween store and you (laughs) picked sexy version of blank right which that they, they make a version of of everything you know now that
4: mm-hmm.
3: you know and a lot of it is just comical but this is before those days and clearly um kelly wants to turn some eyes here mm-hmm. and uh brenda's uh, i don't know this party's a little sketch as it is but it does sort of come across as slut shaming at the same time not helped by what Steve says. Some of his comments. Right. Um, well, it's always hard
2: to get Steve's,
3: yeah. like, vibe. How much, how much of that is Kelly? Steve versus right. Steve having baggage over Kelly? Yeah.
2: Or is he really concerned And because he knows guys are scumbags and she's putting it out yep. there? It's, it's hard to know. Um, yep. Exactly. But, yeah.
3: She does have that good comeback, though, for him. I had that down as a uh, contender for best quote. So, Good on Kelly there with the zingers. Um, th- this timeline, I don't know. Um, we do get Scott mentioning later in the episode exactly what time it is. And it seems like some time has passed by, by then. Um, so I'm thinking it's like maybe eight or nine o'clock when this party gets started. It's maybe close enough to where the the egging takes place that if it's on like the outskirts of town, then conceivably David could walk, even if it is a bit of a hike. I don't know. Maybe he wants to clear his head. He's okay with, um, you know, having a, a nice Halloween stroll. You know, it, it's one of those, like, I I do like what it leads to though, where he meets up with Scott and he does what we all do on Halloween. Right. Mm -hmm. We reminisce. (laughs) Halloween is, maybe more so than most holidays. One of those occasions where it changes dramatically your experience and what you get out of it, the older you get, Um, you know, for, from some people like by the time you're an adult, it doesn't mean anything to you. It's just another day. Um, But for others, it's, you know, no longer trick or treating, but you're still having fun as an adult with the season. And here we're, in that in-between place, these kids are too old to be trick or treating now, but they still have fun memories of Halloween's past, and it makes right. them feel nostalgic, even though they are still young. And that's a that's a weird place to be in life. Um, and I like how this episode really zeroes in on that. Um, I don't know. I've probably rambled enough about that, but it just kind of got me in my own uh, Halloween feels. You know, mm-hmm. even be- even before this came up, I'm watching this episode going. Oh yeah, it's Halloween. It's the early '90s. I kind of even, I kind of even remember this Halloween because um, I want to say uh, in our neighborhood, like I can remember um, someone was watching this episode. Like I, I had an early encounter with this episode, and it must have been because it was on Halloween, right? And somebody was watching it, and that's sort of the the memory it brings back. So. I'm thinking uh, these are all the things I'm thinking going into the episode, and then, you know, we even get the line from David: oh, "The good old days are over." And you think, boy, to say that when you're, uh, what is he got? That sophomore in high school. Just <laughs> this is the the second season of a show that's going to be on the air for ten years. <laughs> like, wow, um, it's a lot. Uh, Grooney, did you? Did you get all that out of out of these few scenes as well? Where are you at on this? Well, yeah, like Kelly's outfit is wow.
0: Like, she really wants to steal the show. And, like, she really just wants to find a guy. As for um, the whole Halloween scene, it's like, if you think about it, if if they go by daylight savings time in oh, Beverly God. Hills and everything, you know, like you can start at five, you know, people get ready around six. I'm thinking that this party started at like seven o'clock, maybe. Yeah, it must have.
2: We also don't know what night of the week it is. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. Halloween, it could be um, a school night, right? So maybe they're mm-hmm. not having, they didn't start too late because everyone's going to be in school the next day. So maybe it was a an early party. I can look up what, day of the week that was in 1991
3: but <laughs> well yeah. what what uh day was this show here i think we said it was on Thursdays oh, right. back then
2: yeah yes yeah, was... thursday Yeah. so this could have yep. been a thursday so this friday so they start early
0: yeah. yeah yep um and like so like with david like walking back and then you know scott's like oh hey man the egg thing's gonna start and the whole reminiscing it's like you remember we did this and that you know those those are the good times you know mm-hmm. like when you do get to uh reminisce and you can get away with trick-or-treating at in the ninth grade I feel like you can stop like in the 10th grade so it's like if they're stopping here it's a good time to like maybe stop and just like you know hang out at people's like houses you know again you know Scott's just like yeah man like let's talk about the old times and stuff and David's like oh okay yeah like you know remember when we did this and that so it seems like you know Scott is trying to reconnect himself with David mm-hmm. and it seems like David is just like, all right. Yeah. You know, like I feel that, well, you know, we could be friends again.
2: Yeah. And I think that nostalgia, they're doing a good job for having Scott, not really be on the episode much mm-hmm. uh, or the show much. I mean, they're doing a yeah. good job here of maybe bringing these two guys back together a little bit. Like maybe David's feeling a little nostalgic. He tried to branch out. It failed and here's scott who's always there for them and they're able to have you know as we'll see a, little, a fun night together um so i think they do a good job of bringing some feels back to these two before what's about to happen because if this scene or this episode doesn't happen i don't know if it's as impactful <laughs>
3: next episode. right i mean i think we am already this like
2: david kind of big, falling back yeah. maybe to that mindset
3: and even with this episode, I'm, I'm even questioning, did we even get, like, enough, right? So right. this is, yeah. I mean, we had to have this, if nothing else. Um, but the the way they go about uh, reconnecting these two characters, I think, is very smart and very true to life, where... And I think we've all sort of been there. It, it's one thing to be able to reminisce and, and cut up with somebody, relive the good times, Right. And you're talking about all all the great memories you have together. But think about, like, do you have anything else to talk about beyond that? Like, that's always been the sign to me that a friendship has kind of fallen by the wayside. If If every time I talk to this person, meet up with this person, whatever, all we do is talk about, as David puts it, the good old days. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, a few a few times around that's to be expected. But when you realize that's our pattern, that's all we do. Like maybe we're not as close as we think we are, or certainly that we used to be. And, and, you know, this is just one of those, as I get older, one of the very telling signs that, um, you can't go home again sometimes with these relationships. (laughs) All right.
2: Uh, so, Brandon's still passing out raisins to some bratty kids. Emily shows up with her niece and nephew. He's in mid Dracula scare and he kind of gets embarrassed. She mentions that her niece and nephew are twins too. Brandon kind of plays up how great twins are. Jim and Cindy show up. They're kind of all catching up. The twins have to use the bathroom. Well, at least one does and the other one kind of goes with him. So Cindy takes the kids off to the bathroom and Brandon and Emily are chatting it up. We go back to the party kelly's turning down someone in an elf costume was very good good elf costume yeah uh must have got that hollywood costume for sure believe very sharp uh steve offers kelly a drink but she kind of blows him off uh i couldn't get this guy's last name officially was it michael sharp
3: um uh, i think originally it was sharp but then he said something about how he changed it, it was sharp? changed after the after his parents got divorced or something there was a whole to do about how right. it was this and now it's that and yeah it was like i don't know if he went back to like using an old name or if his parents uh because of the confusing. divorce <laughs> yeah it was i don't know
2: <laughs> i went with michael sharp uh he's dressed yeah. as robin hood which yeah. i didn't really pick up on and now it's clicking that it's funny that they trashed that costume before and then in comes michael sharp like robin hood <laughs> Uh, he wants to go for a drive in his dad's infinity. He's got a bottle of whiskey. Uh, Kelly tells him to fuck off, basically <laughs> tells him, tells him to go drive it to the off the pier. Uh, Brenda comes up and she's about to save Kelly, but realizes Kelly handled herself. She says, "Dylan told me Michael's the biggest creep at West Beverly, and she's glad Kelly is right. She can she can handle herself." And Kelly talks about all the options at the party. There's a guy dressed as a tampon apparently. <laughs> well, <laughs> an
3: unnamed feminine hygiene product, yes. yes
2: uh kelly sees a cute cowboy and she says i'm gonna go kind of maybe make a move on him back to the walsh house cindy and the twins are out of the bathroom emily asks brandon to go trick-or-treating with them and he says no at first and then kind of gives in uh when cindy pushes him he uh, happily joins and says goodnighty to his parents which <laughs> weird line uh, we go back to the party kelly's flirting with the cowboy we find out he goes to usc Kelly said, uh, and, and they're flirting heavily here. Like, oh, my God. All kinds of it double entendres. At one point, Kelly says she doesn't ride on the first date. I mean, like, all <laughs> in here, all in. Like, <laughs> look, I'm not going to say she let him on because no one should be put in the position she gets put in. But not just the costume. What's not everyone else is not privy to is her comments here. Like, she's really all in on this uh, flirtatiousness.
3: well it you know what this is this is also like 40 something middle-aged uh writers Mm -hmm. having a lot of fun here with extraordinarily unrealistic teenage dialogue (laughs) like there's no like i get that you're in character you're having fun it's halloween but there's no way these people carry on to this degree that that they with the witty repartee the back and forth like it's it's so absurd like it was kind of the the term "crazy." This
2: did not feel like a sixteen year old girl, you know, no, she's supposed to no. be here, should be saying to like this college guy. I mean, I get it; it probably happens, but
3: <laughs> and it's not that they aren't unclever lines. I mean, there's some witty writing here. It's just as extremely unrealistic dialogue for. Yeah, I don't ride on the kids.
2: first date. It was like a little bit,
3: uh, and she says something about, "Oh, a Philly like me? Like, come on!" Like, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a little. It was a little intense. Um, all
2: right. We go back uh, to the trick-or-treating. Brandon and Emily are talking about it. They say, you know, in Beverly Hills this is a big production, but Brandon kind of gets wispy about, you know, trick-or-treating in Minneapolis. He said he liked mm-hmm. the fall weather. He liked crunching on the leaves, um, you know, ele- you know, for Halloween. It's just not the same here. And Emily says the same. She grew up in Cambridge, and she enjoyed walking with the leaves falling and all that, too. Emily turns around, though, and realizes the twins are missing. <laughs> Because Brandon and Emily, uh, Emily have been flirting and panic time is on. Uh, we take a break, we come back, and Emily and Brandon are talking to the cops. They say they'll have a full search and they're not too worried about it because this happens every year. They're very cavalier with missing children. They are in costumes. So they're like, whatever. It's like the friggin' uh maybe it's just this time period. It's like the cops at Home Alone, uh, that are kind of like half ass and giving a shit that Kevin maybe home alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I felt very similar to that. <laughs> Uh, back to the party. Donna's still struggling. She's basically hanging alone in the corner. And I thought this was a good scene. Steve comes over and basically mm-hmm. says, Donna, why do you always do these fucking things? You always wear these stupid dresses. You try and be, you know, go too much and then you're miserable. And she says, you just be yourself. And Donna says, well, who wants to see that? And he says, me and a lot of other guys would love to see you just be yourself. And he gives her a kiss on the head and says, I promise you it'll be better if you're just yourself and she's all smiles as steve walks away and i think we've had a couple of kind steve moments but i would say this may be this may be like the nicest thing steve's done mm-hmm. to date grooney what do you think
0: yeah like um it seems so full fool- it seems like a little bit of um out of lefty over steve here you know he's always like that guy who likes to joke around and like rag on everyone but like he understands so like donna is struggling with this mm-hmm. i feel like he feels bad that she bought it thinking oh this is gonna be like my my ticket in and people are gonna notice me it's like donna you could have just gone as yourself and everybody would have noticed you you know like i notice you you know it's okay to be yourself and uh you know just all this like stuff going on and yeah like going back to your point about the cops yeah they're like oh it happens all the time we we'll get your kids back <laughs> except for that one in uh whatever town what was the town that they said it's like oh what about that one here and then you know there's always like that one joke that might be real it's like oh whoops we forgot one that we didn't get back <laughs> um and one more thing, too. Uh, did, did did you guys have, like, trick-or-treating? Like, when you guys trick-or-treat, do you always have that one house that either has raisins or pretzels or, like, goldfish who doesn't get candy? On, you know? Because I have. I'm just like, really? You don't have candy? It's the one time where you're supposed to have candy. Why am I getting pretzels? I can go buy that any day of the week. Come on.
2: Yeah, definitely. There was also always a house with the big candy bars, which was great. So I guess that was the trade-off. You get the one with the the great stuff and the one with the shitty stuff, and then everyone else kind of in the middle. Um, Tim, I guess Steve is kind of on a hot streak with because he did have the good moment with Andrea last episode, too, at the end. where That's right. Mm-hmm. He tells her you know, he would have missed her and how much she means to the, the group and all that. So maybe he's, maybe he's on a little
3: bit of a role of uh, sweet-talking. Yeah, maybe so. Um, I like when they give... Scenes and moments like this to unexpected characters. And and that's really what this is. It's uh, it starts out as let's uh, continue a trend or establish a trend of Donna wearing these impractical, immobile outfits <laughs> to these social <laughs> gatherings. And it's fun. It, it's it works on the level of, of being um, sort of a, a callback that you like to see. Uh, But then they turn that into a little bit of a character moment where Steve, it, it starts out like he's going to say something really cruel and insensitive, like, because he opens with, uh, why why are you always doing this? You know, like, like what's wrong with you sort of thing. But very quickly they establish, no, he's, he's genuinely telling her just be yourself um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, you've got a lot to offer and you don't see it, but, but we all do. Mm -hmm. And for someone like Steve to say that, it just goes to show why the gang is the gang, right? Right. Like everybody feels some kind of way or another about each person in this group. Um, And I think that's important to see from time to time. Uh, So, and and this also speaks to like, you know, Donna had some insecurity in the, uh, the costume shop earlier. Like Kelly was, was urging Donna to wear the sexy outfit and saying, you, you've got a great figure. You'd, you'd really look awesome. And, and Donna's like, Oh no, I could never, that's, you know, why don't you do it? And, um, you can tell like Donna has these, these self-esteem issues, which the show hasn't made that much of a issue out of, but it's there. And, um, I think they put her in these situations where she looks kind of silly because it seems like sto- Tori Spelling has c- sort of, found her knack, which is physical comedy. I think she's kind of pretty good at that. So what she maybe lacks in the more substantive acting delivery of lines department at this point, she she's getting better. Mm-hmm. But um she is very good at that that physical comedy. So it works, but I, I like how they turn that they turn all of that into some really good uh you know just just character moments here. Um, meanwhile, we've got Brandon and Emily. so this is a contrast between the the uh, the David and Scott stuff where they are reconnecting over their mutual shared good memories of, of Halloween's past. Brandon and Emily don't have any shared history uh, but they are reflecting on what it was like you know growing up in their respective surroundings and you know, what Halloween was like back then and finding common ground. So kind of do a nice little inversion there where it's like they are growing closer together over this, this sort of Halloween nostalgia. Meanwhile, that's being used to highlight how far David and Scott Mm -hmm. have, have grown apart. So I don't know, nice little writerly turn there for this, this episode, I guess.
2: All right, Kelly and the Cowboy are dancing. They're talking about watching David Letterman, and they start to make out. We cut over to the street. Emily and Brandon are still searching. The cops are rolling around. Uh, Scott's still waiting on the egg fight. Him and David agree to hang in at this point, even though it's getting to be pretty late. We go back to the Walsh house where Emily and Brandon show up. Uh, They're panicked, and there are the twins. They're playing with Jim and Cindy and having a good time. And Cindy says... Uh, or the twins say, basically, hey, we went to the last place we were. You, that's what you told us to do. And uh, they say they were worried sick about Emily and Brandon. Cindy agrees uh, that maybe the raisins are a bad idea because she's been indulging in some candy and love candy next year. I was actually pretty surprised, Grooney, about how quickly they wrapped that story up. I thought there was going to be like the big dramatic back end of this whole episode. and the And that the fact that they wrapped it quickly... And really just used it as a reason to have Emily and Brandon be able to have some family time. Um, it was shrewd because you, it was a nice like twist, because usually this is something that would end up being a big deal. So for once it not being it kind of threw you off. So I thought that was pretty well done.
0: Uh yeah, I thought that um it was uh interesting that uh kids knew exactly where to go. <laughs> that they're like, oh man, what was the house? Oh, let's go back to the walsh house. Like you <laughs> don't even know where they live. You just went or treating. Well,
2: they must have just been down the street, I'm guessing. It didn't seem yeah. like it was too long in, so
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, but um it was good on the kids and uh you know, like it was good that you know the like the, the night ends for like Brandon, Brandon and uh, Emily on a good note that's like, oh, man, the kids are safe, you know. We made a mistake, but, like, you know, no no harm, no foul. They they knew right away what to do. And it's, like, really good on the kids that they knew what to do. And they're like, yeah, let's just go back to the house we were at, you know. Those people seem nice.
2: One of those things <laughs> that wouldn't happen with cell phones today. <laughs> they would have found right, the kids right, exactly. Before.
3: They would have found them immediately. <laughs> well, I do appreciate that this – little drama lasts the duration of like one commercial break and that's it. So I'm glad it wasn't a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. Um, although how dumb do Brandon and Emily look for, I mean the two of them losing track of two kids who, are, I guess it just goes to show how involved they were in their own sort of conversation and just the kids became very immaterial. Get it. They're ghosts. Huh? Um, but Yeah. They're just very, distracted uh and in, and increasingly into each other that they completely just lose track of uh the only thing they're supposed to be responsible for which is <laughs> the well-being for these children who i don't know how they just uh up and disappeared like that brandon even makes a joke well they are ghosts maybe they turned invisible um but yeah a quick resolution here and and the episode is all the better for it all right. It's 11
2: o'clock now. Scott and David are still laying around and no egg fight has happened. And they're pretty much resigned that this over. And David says it. This is actually, I thought, a pretty good little rant. And he goes on because I feel like it's echoed by every single generation across the board where he says the good old days are over. Kids yeah, don't really have is. fun like they used to. Times have changed. I mean, that's you hear that constantly all the time. You know, when we were kids, this is how we had fun. And he's already this dude's friggin' 15 or 16. and He's already talking about the good old days of how kids that had fun. Yeah. Uh, Scott says he wants to egg a car. David's in. So they load up, but we see the car pull around the bend, and it's Brandon and Emily. David pulls Scott back, and they pull over. basically <laughs> stop in the middle of the road, and they say, what are you guys doing? And they start joking about egg fights, and Emily says, you know, back not inside Beverly Hills. We used to have great egg fights, and you rich, rich wimps don't know what you're doing. So they drive off and Scott and Davis are firing eggs. Uh, they do not I don't think they hit the car, but it's meant to be kind of a fun little, fun little moment. Uh, back yeah. to the party we go. Dylan and Brenda are dancing. Donna comes over and says she has to pee. She looks like she's going to freaking pass out. So I don't know how long she's been holding this in. Uh, <laughs> she's Brenda like hyperventilating. Yes. She is. She's like in bad <laughs> shape. Uh, Brenda helps her to the bathroom. Donna says she hates this costume. Kelly says she's hungry and wants to eat. The cowboy wants to keep dancing, but the music stops. So they head over to get some food. Cowboy's pushing the quesadillas on her. Uh, yeah. Kelly wants something else, which maybe I thought we were getting a, a yeah drug situation here. The way he yeah. heart, he was pushing these <laughs> yes.
3: quesadillas. He um, had the same thought as I.
2: <laughs> so he says, you know what? Let's go find somewhere quiet, or she may have even said let's find somewhere quiet. And he goes, I know where. So they head up to a bedroom. Cowboy says he's done talking about architecture because Kelly's kind of admiring the the room. Uh, Kelly and asks Kelly about her life and Do you have a boyfriend? And she says no. And as soon as that happens, he is on the offense. He is uh, getting very pushy. Kelly's ready to bail, but the cowboy closes the door and locks it. Says, You want to play make believe? We're gonna play make believe. Um, I don't think too much happened. Right, I'm just going to roll through the rest of this. OK, then we can recap. Sure. Uh, after the break, Kelly wants to escape the room. The cowboy says her actions say otherwise. He starts to put on the press that basically says because she's dressed like that, she obviously wants to play. Kelly gives a hard no. Cowboy slows down and gives some bullshit apologies, which is obviously to start to gaslight a bit. He says, oh, he didn't mean to scare Kelly, he even scared himself. And he asks for forgiveness. Kelly just wants to leave. And the cowboy says, I respect you. So forgive me. So she forgives him and says, again, I want to leave. Cowboy says, no, I want to kiss and make up. Kelly says no, but he throws her on the bed and forces himself on her. Kelly's freaking out. The door opens up. I guess he didn't really lock it too well. Oh, actually, it looked like it was a second door, I guess, in the back.
3: Yeah, know. looks looked like.
2: Yep. So Donna and Brenda come in this second door because Don needs to change. They apologize. They think, you know, they're just making out, so they're going to leave. But Kelly has the opening to break free, and immediately – uh, which i liked too because sometimes it shows you'd get like confusion here or maybe not clear statement but she is very clear <laughs> she says uh this guy's trying to rape me basically mm-hmm. um cowboys panicking uh kelly stopped getting around you know he's trying to talk his way out of it brenda immediately calls for dylan dylan and steve show up and brenda tells him what's going on steve grabs the cowboy steve says i love that girl and him and dylan drag the cowboy out dylan says let's go day 11 so he can show you the road the road uh, we go outside. The cowboy says Kelly is dressed like a slut. And that gives Steve the opportunity to punch him in the face. And they walk off. Kelly is uh, very shook back in the bedroom. She's blaming herself. Brenda says, uh, you know, I tried to tell you. and But then she backs off because admittedly you think you're going to get. I told you so, Brenda. Uh, right. But she does back off. And she realizes, like, how bad this got. And at the end of the day, you know, it's not her fault like she said no kelly says it wasn't the dress it was my actions Brenda says, no, you said no, and that's all that matters. And Kelly says it was too late by the time she said no. So she's really shaming herself here. Dylan and Steve come in. Kelly's talking about all her mistakes that she went through leading this guy on. And Donna says he should go home and take a cold shower or whatever it is they do. (laughs) Uh, Whatever that means. Dylan says Uh, Kelly shouldn't blame herself because as a guy, it doesn't matter how much of a magnet a girl turns on. The guy always has a choice not to force her to do anything she doesn't want to do. Kelly still blames herself. Dylan says, you said no. And Kelly finally kind of gives in. She says, he seems so nice. And Brenda says, it doesn't matter how nice he was. Donna straight out says he's a rapist. And that's that. And if they didn't come in, it would have been a lot worse. So Kelly tries to act like this guy wasn't a rapist, but Donna says he would have raped you basically if we didn't show up. Uh, We go to the peach pit. Brandon and Emily are eating. Emily thanks Brandon for helping out tonight. They recap the night. Some more flirting. Emily kind of gives the heavy eyes. She says she went by his house on purpose because she wanted to see him tonight. And Emily says, we should go to the party. And Brandon starts to play with her hair, and they finally give in and start to kiss again. Hmm. We head back to the party. Kelly says she'll never forget what Steve did for her tonight. Steve says he meant what he said, and she says, I know. And they hug. Everyone starts to leave as Brandon and Emily show up. Steve says, hey, we're all hungry. We're going to go to the Peach Pit to unwind. And Brandon and Emily say, well, we haven't been there in a few minutes, so we're in. Uh, And Dylan says he likes the mermaid costume and steve says mermaids are an endangered species which is a funny <laughs> one uh, to wrap things up so i wanted to just blast through that because it's all kind of one big heavy scene but tim yeah. how did you think uh we mentioned earlier in the episode that we were going to get a little afternoon special here um and dylan's speech is straight out of the this is how you should act and you should never feel ashamed in these scenarios uh book and i thought it was delivered well i thought having him do it added a lot of um gravitas and made it hit. I think anyone else saying it wouldn't have hit as heavy as Dylan saying it because he's meant to be wise right. behind his ears and mm-hmm. a bit of a sage of the group. So for him to talk to Kelly the way he did and how direct he was and saying, don't blame yourself. You didn't do anything. Um, I thought, I thought stood well in the face of what may have been really one of the roughest scenes we've had so far.
3: Yeah. Yeah, this is rough. Um, t- episode takes a dark turn here in the, you know, the, kind of final three quarters, I guess. Um, but, uh, it, in the way that it plays out, um, it's sort of like, I don't know how else to describe it, but it, it feels very much like, I I know we use the term after school special kind of, kind of casually, but I, I do think this is another example of, the writers, the producers, whatever, having an eye towards, Mm -hmm. okay, we've got to be mindful of who our audience is. If we're going to do this, let's like do it in the right way, you know? And they're almost like presenting this as for lack of a better term, the anatomy of a date rape. Like this is kind of like what this would, how it would appear where it's not the, what you picture getting, you know, thrown down, pinned down and uh, someone forcing themselves on you, which, I mean, it does turn into that, but that's not how this starts out, right? Like he, they're flirting, they're making out. They've now isolated themselves from other people in, the, in, in a social setting. Um, this guy has now locked Kelly in the room. That's, you know, a big red flag right there. And she's saying she wants to leave. He's not letting her. Um, and then it, it escalates from there. He, he starts to back off. And like you said, he's, he's now gaslighting her a bit, trying to backpedal Mm -hmm. and apologize. And she's halfway buying it, but still so uncomfortable that she wants to leave. And he's still not letting her. And it just, it's, you know, it's, it's doing that thing where, you know, I think people watching the show who are the same age as some of these characters have perhaps experienced that and not. Certainly, in 1991, to say nothing for the fact of you know people today may not recognize it for what it is. And then you know they pull the trigger and they really they go there and he's you know now attacking her. Um, you know, fortunately the the gang intervenes and, and puts a stop to this. Um, but there's no there's no ambiguity about what is happening here, right? The, the show is very clear about. Uh, This is a a would-be rapist, and he was caught in the act, and uh, no means no. And it does threaten to do that thing, again, that would have been very of its time and and age very badly, where Brenda starts to maybe do the victim-blaming, well, you let him on thing. I I tried to tell you to be careful, I told you so, but... She very quickly pivots on that, right, where she she recognizes Kelly. You said no. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, what you're wearing. It doesn't matter what you said um, in the moment. You you said no, and he did not listen. And then to put those same words into Dylan's mouth, I think is really powerful. Um, I mean, I know he's a guy, but he even starts out with what he says, like he, he literally asks the question, can I say something? And I know this is the last thing you maybe want to hear, you know, another guy telling you what to think and what to do and how to act. But, um, here's my take on it. And you can tell she values his opinion. So she's like, go ahead. Like they're very delicate about not making that a, you know, to use a, a more contemporary term, like a mansplaining sort of scene, right? right. That That's yep. how that could come across, but they are very delicate in how it's written. Um, and I was kind of shocked by it, honestly, again, this is 1991 and I'm like, holy shit. They're like, um, they're really doing a nice job here. And, uh, it's, it's Dylan recognizing, you know, uh, and, and getting across, look, in a situation like this, the onus is on a guy not to force himself on a woman. Like, period. It, it doesn't matter how she's dressed. Doesn't matter how she looks. Doesn't matter what she says. You don't behave that way. And he's he's the cool guy, right? He's all about getting it in. And um, for him to say that is like, no, that's uh, uh-uh, that's bullshit. Um, it it's a you know. I, like you said, it's, it's important that they gave that scene, I think, to and especially that speech to a Dylan as opposed to like a Steve um, mm-hmm. who would just I don't know that it would come across as believably or, or authentically if, if Steve is saying it. You know, of course, he's he's going to say that to Kelly. But at the end of the day, it's Steve. Right. Right. Again, give that to a character that it's it's unexpected. You would hear that from. So Steve already got that earlier in the episode with Donna. Now it's Dylan's turn. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, it just, it works really well for me here. I, I thought for the heavy subject matter, for the sort of tonal whiplash that we got, that it was really well handled by, again, this 1991 writer's room. So, uh, well done show. And that's, I don't know. I've said my piece, Grooney. Uh, how about you, sir?
0: Um, I feel that this is the first time that one of the main eight characters have been attacked and or put in this situation because we had that one episode where like, you know, the side um the side girl uh here, like was getting like sexually Oh
3: yeah, back in the first season, yeah. yeah. They they yeah. did it. Mm-hmm. Outside of the main cast, right? Yeah, Yeah,
0: so this is definitely like a turning point that we are seeing more of these grown-up things, you know, that can happen in high school here, and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and so the cast and the characters are growing up, they're becoming more mature, and they're getting themselves into more mature situations, and it does feel better that this is coming from Dylan instead of instead of uh, Steve because, like, I feel like coming from Steve, he's not the wisest. Like, he can be a good buddy and give you like a good powwow, but he cannot come up with these Zen words like mm-hmm. Dylan. Mm-hmm. So, it would definitely be a no-go if it came from Steve. I feel like I would turn off the TV if it was coming at a- us. <laughs> Oh, (laughs) just yeah um but um yeah you know like she said like you know kelly's feeling really upset that like this is like her fault and it's not you know like because at the end of the day we we as men have that decision of maybe this isn't the right thing to do like she said no so like stop really
3: yeah
0: yeah so very uh serious uh topic here like you know no matter like what like no matter what like an outfit looks like and no matter what kind of signal you're getting you know no means now so that's basically it right there
2: all right let's get to our awards here to wrap things up so for best scene i ended up going with dylan's speech um i liked the hollywood costume I liked Steve and Donna a lot too, but this this was the best part. We talked about it quite a bit here. Why I thought it, you know, it, it was important coming from Dylan. All the stuff we just talked about. So,
3: yeah, I kind of uh, cheated a little bit, and I just sort of said everyone um, sort of taking their part in consoling slash rallying around Kelly um, to defend her both uh, physically and. Uh, emotionally as well because i mean she's th- this is a traumatic event uh james to your point this is maybe the most traumatic thing we've seen happen to a a core cast member like on screen in this show uh, up to this point uh and, and she's going through a lot of uh guilt and and blaming herself um and, and you just you know that whole self-doubt and uh and they're all just no, just shutting it down left and right saying, no, you know, like you did, you didn't do anything wrong here. This is not, um, you you were, you were victimized and, um, and we're here to support you. So, and and I think if I had to like narrow it down, then yeah, I'd say that the Dylan, um, speech for lack of a better term would be the best scene, but I actually highlighted that as most important, um, just given, the fact that this is coming from Dylan and it's Dylan saying something that is so powerful, so meaningful that it's directed at Kelly Mm
4: -hmm.
3: and you got to figure she's going to remember that. Um, and these two are going to have some history down the line. So I don't know. I just, I felt like it had a lot of weight in the moment, like in a vacuum it it's, um, it's really good stuff, but it also is going to inform, I think, uh, the interaction, future interactions between these characters.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you stole my thunder there. I had it as the most important as well, and it's it's yeah. exactly that. It's Dylan's first real foray into maybe the back of Kelly's mind. You know what I mean? So it's like the delivery, mm-hmm. the way he's talking, is standing up for her, the way she looks back at him. Like, I don't know if they were already planting seeds or not, but again... If not, it was a great coincidence, because it definitely feels a little bit like, all right, Maybe a little something-something.
3: Not often that our best scene can also double as most right. important, but I, I really think this one makes a good case for it. Um, I
0: actually, uh, for best scene, I went with um David and Scott throwing eggs at the car because, <laughs> <laughs> It's just going back to like, um you know, that David can still like have fun and that like, you know, him and Scott are like f- trying to get back on track as like being friends. I want a different route with best scene, like, you know, because I feel that like this was like a coming together moment of like trying to just like, get back with uh, Scott and David as like being friends, you know, like whether this mm-hmm. was like uh, I didn't know if it was really a. Goodbye scene, you know, not right, So right. like it felt like they were just trying to like reconnect it, you know. So, you looked at it as a reconnecting scene, but most important, yeah, definitely the whole intervention, but also like the wise words of Dylan, you know, at the end of the day, like we have a choice, you know. So, yeah. yeah.
2: All right. Uh most 90s look I went the Ninja Turtles costumes. Uh,
3: I thought they were very <laughs> on point for
2: 1991 Halloween.
3: I I had the same. Um yeah, I mean that that's the most pointed 90 Some of the looks at the party also like there's a mm-hmm. there's an Edward Scissorhands costume I think I spotted um an ALF which uh Yep,
1: ALF so one remembers Kelly the rejected. show.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, So There you go. Um which I, I don't really think of that as necessarily being a '90s show, but it's like in 1991, maybe it is still a, a Halloween costume, especially from the Hollywood mm-hmm. Halloween Party Store.
0: Another thing that I pointed out was that <laughs> everyone—I feel like I feel like one or two people, like in every show, had that Richard Nixon mask. You know, oh <laughs> yes.
3: like, uh, yeah, that
0: uh, always was like the look. so. I was going to go with uh, the uh, Bonnie and Clyde like uh, outfits, but also the uh, Richard Nixon mask. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like someone always has that.
3: Yeah, that's a good call. The uh,
2: all right. Most 90s moment. I went with the concept of David bringing tapes, playing tapes at the party, (laughs) (laughs) mixtapes.
3: Yeah, I, I think I'm going to have to agree with you there. Plus, um, you mentioned it, the kids getting lost is just something right, that's... Right, no phone, yeah. Yeah, and you're not going to... That's not a thing that's going to happen today.
0: Um, I would say, like, it's... I don't know if it's died down now, but, like, also, like, just, like, egging, throwing throwing eggs on Halloween was, like, a typical nice mm-hmm. thing, too. But, like, I mean, people do that all the time on Halloween. I don't know if they do it as much, like, where
3: we are in like policing everybody. I was going to say it's like, like such a bigger to... deal now. Yeah. yeah if that we... happens, it's like, all right, well, yeah,
0: <laughs> I got a record now for just throwing. <laughs> one in the car. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, so, like, yeah. So uh, I'm going to go with, uh, egg, uh, throwing eggs, like, you know, or like doing yep, that's some Halloween pranks. Uh,
2: best lesson I think was obvious in the, the end of the episode, you know, you're saying no, it's a No, it's not
3: your fault, no matter what you had on or
2: how you presented yourself.
3: Yeah. Uh, I couldn't, couldn't be more direct than no means no. And sort of on the, the backside of that is like, if, if you're a guy like kind of, um, you have a choice, just like, just like James said, you have a choice Mm -hmm. and, uh, recognize, uh, your privilege in a situation like that. And, check yourself you know Ah, uh, yeah i went with no means no as well that was like the only lesson
0: i got out of the uh episode here all right best hookup
2: uh again i think there's only really one good option brandon and emily on this one
3: uh sure yeah um although i mean david and scott's uh reunion yeah, took place uh framed by a little heart-shaped cutout in the, in the hedges <laughs> yes. it seemed but um uh, which was, I don't know, a, a weird choice. But, uh, yeah, I, I, clearly it's it's Brandon and Emily. Yep. Brandon,
4: right.
2: Uh, Best quote, I had one with two. And, and it's, I don't know, rang a little bit. Even though she's never really becomes a criminal. Jim goes, my daughter, the career criminal. When they were <laughs> taking the picture of Barney and Clyde. Bonnie, can I do it for an island accent killing me? Bonnie and Clyde. Um, I don't know, like it, it almost was like, again, I don't know how much foreshadowing they're doing in this stuff, but it felt a little bit like foreshadowing a, a darker turn in Brenda to come with her and Jim. So what he said, my daughter, the criminal um, and then Kelly saying, I don't ride on the first date, which is a freaking absurd. And her line to Steve was great, too, about with me and you. It's all imagination.
3: Yeah, that's that's really great. Uh, <laughs> I had a few. Um, there were some. There are some decent exchanges in this episode. Uh, uh, so we have the return of this is from Steve to Dylan. Now, come on, don't be a squeef. So I think <laughs> I think we have to officially declare squeef a uh, like a, a thing from this show now. I guess so. Uh, so Dylan, upon uh, uh, so he and he is now shown up at the Walsh Walsh residence in full. Clyde regalia. Uh, and he says to Brandon drift, small guy and Brandon right back to him. Drop dead ape. Awful.
2: There's a <laughs> lot of Brenda force
3: like bad yes. lines in this episode as Brenda makes her way down the uh, stairs as a uh, Bonnie. Um, and then really like just the entirety of, I'm not going to read it uh, verbatim, but just Dylan's speech towards the end, mm-hmm. which, uh, Really, they did a nice job of prefacing with some kind of gentle, hey, if you don't want to hear this, sort of just tell me to shut the fuck up. And you got the impression that if she said, I don't want to hear it, he would have stopped and kind of tells you all you need to know about Dylan's character.
0: Um, I had every um, I had it from uh, Steve every now and then it. Be okay just to be yourself, you know. I really think that like he, mm, yeah, it, to Donna. You know, and he just wants to, yeah, it's a Donna. Like he really is just like trying to be like that really nice guy and like being a nice friend, you know, for someone who's like either struggling or is like upset, you know. He doesn't have all the zen, but like he's got a good line like to make someone feel better about themselves.
2: All right, final grade. I struggled a little bit with this one because i did like it but i felt like with the setup and the halloween theme and everything around it felt like it could have been like it should have been more like i thought it was gonna be a little bit more intense and important and while the message at the end was extremely important i didn't feel like this episode ended up being very important to the show Besides just reuniting David and Scott and putting Emily back on the radar. Um, I thought this was going to be like a super important episode. It just Mm -hmm. ended up being a good one with a good message. And it felt to me very similar to the one we had two episodes ago, Tim, uh, with the Bobster, (laughs) the (laughs) cousin in the wheelchair. So I ended up going seven (laughs) out of 10. Like it had the same sort of like, we're growing these characters, but also if this didn't exist, like we'd be okay. Um it's memorable and gets a good moment and the drama is good, but it's like a notch or two below the big time episodes, but it's not like a bad episode. So it felt like a seven to me. And it feels like even the last one was a six and a half, like a similar there too. Like, I just feel like we're in this little run of very good episodes, but we're not at the great ones. I think we're getting there, but um, what'd you think?
3: So I think I came into this one with, maybe lower expectations than you um, just in terms of my own. I, I kind of thought this was a a flimsy, fun, casual throwaway, like Halloween holiday themed episode of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of gave me more than that. And in, and in talking through it, I, I find that I really got more out of it than I was even thinking like just the whole kind of parallel between, Uh, the blossoming relationship between uh, Brandon and and Emily. Meanwhile, David and Scott's relationship, not that, you know, it's the same kind of relationship, but that's starting to crumble. And it's sort of, they're highlighted through the same um, ways of just sort of reconnecting over, you know, memories shared or otherwise of of this holiday and days gone by and stuff like that. I, I thought they did a nice little, job bringing those together thematically Mm -hmm. um, and especially the David and Scott stuff is going to look super bittersweet, like in hindsight. So I am reading this with a little bit of, you know, benefit of hindsight, but um, yeah, this one, this one gave me more than I thought. I'm, I'm kind of unexpectedly high on this and I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go as high as an eight. And I'm going to agree with your point that in the grand scheme of things, it's not a super important episode, but I think it is like important, an important season two episode. Like when you just look at the season, like it's important right. to season two more than it's important to the show as a whole. If that makes sense. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm at I'm as far as away as an eight. So I don't know, Gruney, how are you feeling?
0: i'm with um i'm with uh, jt on this one um i was more in like the six and a half to a seven range mm, okay. it, i thought there was more to it um than there actually was like maybe you could have had like a different like a like a little bit of like more of an argument between uh david and scott you know like it's like oh man like i'm too cool for that you know like couldn't maybe mm. i just said like a little bit more of an argument between them you know i do like the premise of like you know oh how like emily and brendan are brandon are uh looking for the kids you know like they gotta like find them so you know like they're really like you know working together and stuff like brandon is really just like all right right, calm down we'll find them like you know let's go back to my house and mom hold the kids are there and then uh you know the importance of uh Dylan's speech and like, you know, just like the whole traumatic like turn of wow, Kelly almost got raped. Like this almost could have like happened. So, you know, like up and down this episode. Mm-hmm. But uh really, really on the up part of like, you know, for the whole um Kelly scene and Dylan's speech and like, you know, everything coming together again. This like a like everyone said, like it's a foreshadowing episode of what is to come, and I finally yep. feel like I picked up on the signals of what is being foreshadowed here.
2: All right, good stuff. Let's get to our awards and our trackers, I should say. So for character debuts, I had Lauren and Drew, which are the cousins, <laughs> the nephew and niece, I should <laughs> say, of Emily. Uh, Michael Sharp, perhaps with a different last name, but yeah. Michael Sharp. And then we don't get the Cowboys' name, so I just want Cowboy Creep.
3: Yeah, <laughs> Cowboy um, Rapist. Yeah. yeah,
2: we don't get yeah. a name. Uh, relationships in the episode, Kelly and the Cowboy, David and Scott, Brandon and Emily. Mm-hmm. Places and Things, they had a Hollywood costume, uh, the Halloween party house, which I don't... Did they say whose house it is? That was another thing they kind of... They talked no. about fast at this point. Like, I can't track half the stuff they're saying. But.
3: No, they they didn't say whose who's it was. I think they described it as like... Some old brownstone, but that is not what I think of when I right. think of a brownstone. But I, I don't know. Maybe there was a different connotation in Beverly Hills. um But no, we don't get a specific whose house it is.
2: All right, and then also uh, the Egg neighborhood. I put <laughs> the Egg the yes. Egg, egg, fight neighborhood. Egg neighborhood. Uh, yes. Uh, I night,
0: I like
2: Song in yeah, this right. episode, Gruny. You told me that uh, you felt like you identified one of the songs through the dub uh, you were watching. Which which song do you think that
0: was? It is Salt and Pepper Push It because I believe that Donna is like was struggling her like feet, and I felt like I just heard that temple. It's like this is Salt and Pepper's uh, Push It song. Ooh, baby, baby. <laughs> Well, it's not listed
2: here as one of the songs, but that doesn't mean it's not accurate because this does oh, okay. um, encompass everything. Uh, maybe you can look at our old friends and uh, 90210 restored on Instagram and yes. see uh-huh. if they have it. Uh, here's what is listed though: "Sweet, Sweet, Sweet Baby" by Erasure. Uh, that's when Scott and David are talking about the egg fights at school. "Romantic" by Karen White is when the gang meets at the Halloween party. "Lily Was Here" by Candy Dulfer when Kelly meets the cowboy. 24 uh, 7 by Dino When Kelly dances with the cowboy And Donna struggling with her costume And Steve talks to her And then the classic Monster Bash By Bobby Boris Pickett And the Crypt Kicker 5 uh, Steve comforts Kelly Brandon and Emily meet everyone And they head to the beach bit. So that's playing at the end of the episode The Monster Mash <laughs> <laughs> Alright right. Uh, Character rankings uh, I already plugged in Nat, Iris, Henry, Jackie, Mel as a bunch of zeros is there anyone we want to put toward the bottom here? I'm I'm guessing Jim and Cindy, but uh, well, I guess Andre, Andrea. She wasn't in this, right? All right, so zero for yeah, her. Andrea well, goes I, well no, she was go in to it to
3: at the you oh, that's right. She, she had the one scene. Yeah, did? just yeah, the it's, one it's, brief
2: scene. afterwards. Well, she picked up six points <laughs> off of that, so there you go. Oh yeah. Um, so I would say probably Jim, Cindy, Emily, I guess, are our next three. Does that
0: um, more than
2: Scott, though. Yeah, well, Scott's pretty well. Let's put Jim and Cindy. I think are next. I think Jim's at yeah. the bottom, even though he's wrestling yeah. with the kids, and then probably Cindy right above him. I feel like she did a little bit more. Yeah. Um, okay, and then Emily and Scott, I guess, are probably next.
0: Yeah, I feel like um, I feel like this episode's more about Scott than it is of like Emily. You know, so I would put Emily like
3: below Scott. I don't know. Like
0: dude, I was I, think I agree with that.
3: Yeah, I'm okay. I mean, look, we, we might as well give Scott something. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: he's gonna get a lot more. Not like he's <laughs> not gonna, gonna sure. get
3: laughed real quick. So
2: <laughs> about to get yeah. about to get a whole lot more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So then, what do you guys think from there?
3: Uh, Donna. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah.
0: Donna's... Not,
3: not bad material, just not a lot that she... I mean, she, she's the one who says, hey, this was a rape, uh, about to be a rape. So, she, I mean, she kind of gets the big... She does get a big line at the end, yeah. Yeah, but um, she's used a lot for comedy relief. So, I mean, yeah. Right. So, Donna, then... um. I would say Steve. Hmm... I sort of want to go David not that again anything's Bad it's just he's in such the Such the B plot Right or even the C plot Really because right. this, I mean this episode is very Clearly focused on A plot is the party B plot I guess is Brandon and Emily and yeah. C plot is David and Scott Right um, I'm alright with
2: going David below Steve I think Steve is pretty Important to the episode yeah. I mean, I like
3: that he ducks the guy. That's yeah.
2: pretty cool. And just the whole thing with Donna, too.
3: Yeah, yep. he's a gentleman to Donna. Yep. So,
2: yeah, let's...
3: David, Steve.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. Then what do you want to do from there?
0: I would say Brenda.
3: Mm, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I could go Brenda or Brandon.
2: I think Brenda, because Brandon at least had the Emily plot going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so then Brandon.
0: And then, then Dylan.
2: Well, should Brandon be above Dylan?
0: Oh, uh, no. It's just that quote that really gets to you. Or that right.
2: whole, like,
3: sequence. Yeah.
0: All right, that's fine.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and then Kelly. It's tough, the yeah. Kelly at the top, yeah, yeah yeah should she be i guess it's around her i know it's like we're we're not questioning it Uh, (laughs) i'm
0: sorry i feel like i'm stealing
2: this
3: feels (laughs) like such a big dylan kelly to a lesser extent steve kind of brandon but there's not like a big one person makes a big it's not like a big stand this is truly an ensemble episode
0: it is it really is yeah I kind of looked at it as who had the most screen
3: time, you know. Yeah, and I I try not to go by that because some of it is not necessarily meaningful screen time, you know.
0: Uh, Like, yeah, I guess so. Like, you know, like I always looked at it as, from my point of view, you guys go who had the most screen time. But I guess it's more mo—it's more important than that. Like, who had like the good quotes and like good and important to the episode, right? Right. Who drove the
2: episode, Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah, i both. mean screen time is not nothing i just i don't think it should be the the overall deciding factor in something like this i, feel like I think it i think
2: the episode's about kelly i, I do yeah i, think I do
3: too at the end of the day it's a yeah,
2: yeah. all right
3: all right uh tim what's going on
2: in our audio world as i tally up these final scores
3: all right There's so uh this is the 9021 Noso podcast that you're hearing. so if you like it, please subscribe today. Uh, you can also leave us a review on iTunes that just helps boost our ranking. Nice little monetary non-monetary way, excuse me to support the show if you're inclined. Uh, you can email us as well 9021 NoSo at gmail.com uh, and you can, Hit me up on Twitter if you're so inclined. I am at psych68 on Twitter. And if you want to talk about the show, um, you don't have to DM me necessarily. I mean, I'm pretty much an open book out there on the Twitter land. Uh, This podcast is a spinoff of the North-South Connection Podcast Network where you'll find a lot of great pop culture content. It's where we started. Uh, It's... Still where our bread is buttered, <laughs> I feel like. Uh, there's a lot of great uh, visual content as well. So you will find uh, YouTube versions of all the podcasts just about that you can hear on the North-South Connection. So on YouTube, just sort search the North-South Connection and subscribe today. It's growing. It's really taken off, and it's really fun. JT's got a lot of presence over there, does a number of shows. So if you're a fan of... You know, sports, professional wrestling, uh, comics, uh, other television shows, perhaps, Seinfeld. Uh, You'll find just a a real mix, an eclectic uh, uh, body of content from the North-South connection. That's the term I'm looking for. So um, I will now turn it over to our guest, James Greenberg, is there anything you, sir, would like to promote to the listeners?
0: Uh, yes. Um, you can find me on, at, on Twitter at Grooney 316, G R U N E Y 316. And uh, you can usually find me on the Place to Be Nation wrestling feed. I have two shows Extreme Resurrection, where I cover um, ECW when it was on sci fi. Um, through 2006 and 2010 I do that with Steve Riddle and then I started a new project uh, it's like the third episode in it's called Nation Invasion where I look back at the start of the um, invasion uh, storyline with WCW ECW invasion of the WWE I just had recently had Matt Souza on and we covered the um and smackdown where uh chris benoit and kurt angle had that uh amazing cage match with the moonsault in it and uh mm-hmm. so that's all going on too so um Very good stuff. And recently I was just on the uh, Mothership episode with uh, JT as well. As we uh, look back uh, 10 years ago, we all went to uh, WrestleMania 29 and we just discussed the, uh, you know, shenanigans of the tailgate and a little bit of the event. But how we all became uh, really good friends together, you know, and uh, who we met and a lot of uh, exciting stories. So check that out. That is also a a YouTube uh, video show as well. How he became a queen
2: and scrutiny, not uh, friends. Yep. Um, all right, <laughs> don't, go to, don't
3: go, don't go, but so far. <laughs> <laughs> it,
2: buddy. Love you. Uh, all right, let's uh, run the rankings here. Uh, for this episode, we had uh, Mel, Jackie, Henry, Iris, Nat, all get zeros. Andrea Zuckerman with six. Jim Walsh at seven. Cindy Walsh at eight. Emily Valentine at nine. Scott Scanlan at ten. Donna Martin eleven. David Silver twelve. Steve Sanders thirteen. Brenda Walsh fourteen. Brenda Walsh fifteen. Dylan McKay, 16. Kelly Taylor is our top performer at 17. Our season two total rankings in last place is Mel with 12, Iris with 16, Jackie with 18, Scott with 23, Nat with 41, Emily passes him with 44, Henry Thomas still hanging on at 47. All right. <laughs> uh, we jump up big time to the next tier. Donna Martin with 105. David and Andrea tied at 110. Just below Cindy at 114. Jim at 119. Kelly at 122. Steve at 126. Go up to Dylan at 159. Brenda at 166. And Brandon still pacing season two at 178. Wow. Our all time rankings Mel 12. Iris 16. Jackie 31. Emily 42. Henry at 47. Jump up to Scott at 87. Nat at 91. Donna uh, above them. She's really still in her own little world at 186. David at 237. Andre at 253. Jim's at 277. Cindy's at 281. Kelly's at 291. Steve Sanders at 307. Just behind Dylan at 318. And then we jump up big to our top two. Brenda at 409. Brandon picked up another point on her tonight. So he's at 419. So 10-point lead all time for the Walsh uh brother and Walshester tim behind all right that'll do it uh thank you for listening please again share this and subscribe but if you're a fan we are on instagram at uh, b a is it a so or is it so do you remember uh tim look it
3: up. uh on instagram oh my gosh uh, no so podcast on instagram yes That's Uh we the do one post- thing i left out yeah
2: we do post some stuff there and actually we put up a thread there and on facebook uh about if you have any thoughts around uh the brandon emily relationship memories or thoughts share them on our instagram feed or in our facebook group uh, if you just search 902 and no so i can add you to that um and we'll read feedback on air on our next episode or two with, with emily stuff's picking up and honestly yeah. if you leave any feedback like rocco did or, or anyone we'll read it on air for sure so share it with us um your thoughts specifically on the on the emily stuff or the scott stuff that's to come and we'll read that on air in the next couple episodes Alright, that'll do it, Grooney. Thanks for joining. We'll be back in a few weeks with a new episode, Tim, and a new guest. Uh, looking forward to that as always. Dracula Enjoy a little dim sum, a little dim, dim sum. We'll
1: the scene was rocking, all are digging the sounds. Igor on chains, backed by his baying hounds. The coffin bangers were about to arrive with their vocal group, the Crypt Kicker Five. They played the Monster The Monster Mash. it's caught on in a flash It's now the MASH It's now the Monster MASH Now everything's cool Drax a part of the band And my Monster MASH Is the hit of the land what, what? For you the living This MASH was meant to When you get to my door Tell them body sent you
4: Then you can MASH
1: Then you can Monster MASH The Monster MASH And you, my graveyard smash Then you can MASH You'll catch on in a flash Then you can MASH then you can monster mash. Mash Easy boy. You impetuous <laughs> young <laughs> boy. mash good. Monster mash. <laughs>